All right, we are live. Oh, hey, uh, everyone. Hey, everybody. Uh, we are You Have to Watch This Podcast. Um, today, we're going to be reviewing the first two episodes of Marvel's What If? And then we've got some fun stuff we want to talk about. Um, I'm Alan. I'm Devin. And we, on our show, You Have to Watch This Podcast, is usually three of us. Our, our third co-host, Ryan, could not make it today. Um and on our show, every week we have each one of us watch a movie uh, one of us has never seen before. So this past week, uh, Devin just had me watch Mars Attacks, which is why he was playing Destroy All Humans earlier this morning, if you caught that part of the stream. You did, thank you. Um, and then next week, I think Ryan's having Devin watch Speed for the first time. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm really excited to, though. So we're... We go live on tw our own Twitch channel. Uh, the Awareness-a-thon last time around actually inspired us to do our own Twitch feed. So I want to thank Josh and everyone at Victims and Villains for having us back again. Um, and I think we're going to get right into it. Um, so Marvel's What If premiered a few weeks ago on Disney+. Plus. This is a show I've been looking forward to. I don't know if you can tell from, beh from behind, I'm a bit of a Marvel fan. And I bought, the, I bought this shirt just for the, the occasion. So, um, Devin and I haven't really talked about What If yet, so I'm really excited to hear what he has to say. So, Devin, what, what are your impressions of the first two episodes of Marvel's What If? We're going to get into a little bit of spoilers here in a bit. We're going to try to keep it spoiler-free for a little, but it's a, it's a cartoon show, so it's, it's going to spoil a little bit. But it's all fun. Like, it's not really, yeah, like, right. major plot lines going forward. We're two episodes in, so what do you think of What If? Yeah, man, I really like it. I like, I, I, I think right now the standout for me, and I'm trying to find his name, uh, is uh, Jeffrey Wright. I love Jeffrey Wright, and I love him as the Watcher. So I mean, he's great. I, I think the move. I think each episode is individually fine. I think that my like dumb analytical brain is too dumb and analytical for some of the things that are happening. Mm -hmm. But in general, I find it incredibly fun, and really like a lot of the swings and a lot of the stuff they're doing with it. Yeah, it so when I first when they first announced the show, I was under the impression that they were just taking one movie each episode and tweaking it just a little bit. So that's what you get with the, the first episode where they tweak the first Avenger and then just yep. show you what that movie would be like without that. Um, by the time you get to the second episode, what if T'Challa was Star-Lord? It's not that at all, um, which I'm fine with. Uh, I like I what I really liked about the Captain Carter episode was. It, it played with first Avenger enough that you can be like, Oh, I remember that from the movie. Like uh, Bucky actually did lose his arm there. Like that. That's a funny joke. <laughs> um, and that's fine for a bit. Like I, I expect some of that from a show like this. Cause that's what the comics do. But the T'Challa episode really plays with the format and breaks the, breaks that mold. Um, and, I'm really excited for the rest of the show going forward, just based off the, like the second episode is so different that it got me super pumped for everything else. Well, that's what I hear a lot is a lot of people go, oh, yeah, first one was good. You know, we've all seen first Avenger. We all see how it could be different if this little thing changed. Great, neat, whatever. And then everyone generally likes the T'Challa episode just a lot more. Did anything in the T'Challa episode, was it was it too much for you? Like... Because they took a lot of swings in the T'Challa episode, and they were like, okay, if this one little thing happens, everything is different. Was there anything about it that you were like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like this. I, I don't, 
I don't think it's one little thing that changes the T'Challa, like everything. And I think that the point of the T'Challa episode is showing how different of characters T'Challa and Peter Quill are. Yeah. Like T'Challa is this very respectable, um, confident man who can bring peace to the galaxy. Whereas Star-Lord is like Peter Quill is like, you killed my mom. I'm going to shoot you repeatedly. And I'm going to like, I'm going to like distract Thanos to the point where you guys lose the gauntlet. Like they're two completely different personalities. And I think their influence over like Yondu and uh, like, I can completely see how one person can like, the point is one person can make a difference. And I think it does a really good job of telling that. Can you tilt your screen a little bit? You're you got a lot of headroom there. There we go. Better. Okay. Yeah. No. So, I I get that. I totally get that. I think my problem with the T'Challa episode is that one person made literally the most difference in the entire universe. Like, mm-hmm. what if one person in one thing was different? Literally, whole characters' motivations change. Literally, like. Bad guys become, you know, not ruining anything. Bad guys become good guys. Good guys become bad guys. And, like, just because, I mean, it, basically, it was, to me, the episode was just, look at how well-adjusted and charming T'Challa is. Mm -hmm. And, like, made it seem like Peter Quill had opportunities to change whole world events that if he were just more well-adjusted and charming, he would have taken advantage of. And I don't know. I, I don't know if, I don't know if, if I... If I, I don't know. I don't know if that was too much for me. I, I don't think, I mean, it, it, the, the fun of it is that it's, I think the main thing is they have two completely different upbringings. Like Peter yeah. Quill has his, just his mom and the music and that's all he, he clings to. T'Challa has this noble, uh, royal upbringing in the eighties and wants to explore like uh, whereas Quill's just like, you kidnapped me when I was a kid and threatened to eat me. Like he has a little bit of resentment there. So he's not trying to make anything better. He's just trying to live day to day. Yeah. And you can tell he doesn't really care about anyone that he's involved with. Cause in the first, first guardians, he has that girl on the ship during that chase thing. He's like, honestly, I completely forgot you were here. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, fair. I, I, I do like the one change that they made, and and this is spoilers for the first like minute of this movie, uh, or of this the T'Challa episode, is whenever like in in Guardians one where he's like you might know me as Star Lord, and the guy goes who, and in this one he goes oh my god Star Lord I love you yeah and, like I feel like the whole episode was based on that yeah that that character was having a blast. Yeah. In this episode, uh, which was fun to see because I I like that actor enough. And he's he's gone back and forth between Marvel and DC being Shazam and stuff. Um, But it was really fun to see how they tweak the characters in the T'Challa episode in the Captain Carter episode. It's still kind of the same versions of the character that we saw in First Avenger, but. Through a slightly different lens, like everyone's in a different position, like Bucky's still kind of Bucky. But like Steve yeah. Rogers is now Iron Man in a Tesseract Iron Man suit. Um, is he? I thought there were a lot of interesting implications that happen at the end of each of these episodes. Yeah. So they flat out tell you something bad is going to happen at the end of the T'Challa episode, which I really love. 
But then I was thinking, I let my mind run with the end of the Peggy Carter episode because, I mean, you said that Steve Rogers is, you know, Tesseract-powered Captain America, or uh, Iron Man. Because of that, Iron Man suits are a thing. Tony Stark doesn't invent it in a cave with a box of scraps. He, like, that's a known quantity now. So, yeah. like, what does that change moving forward? Like, what happens to Tony Stark moving forward? You know, does, I mean, Bucky does Tony Stark Does Tony Stark even exist? I mean, I think he, I think Tony Stark exists, but I don't think Howard Stark dies then. Because Howard Stark isn't run off the road by Winter Soldier because Winter Soldier doesn't exist. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting implications for that. And I, I think the show is going to explore those more in the future. You think uh, so? I think I think it's all co- like so. The first episode, Watu the Watcher says, "I am forbidden from interfering." If you know the comics at all, that's all he does. <laughs> oh, he interferes, so, really? Yeah, he interferes. Um, so I feel like it's all building towards one big story where I think Watu is going to start pulling like Captain Carter and Star Lord T'Challa into like this one storyline that I think is going to tie. It has to tie into multiverse of madness. Cause this is the, everything we're seeing in what if is the direct result of the Loki show. Right. Um, and they've confirmed that in a trailer of all places uh, for the star Lord episode, there's a screen of one of the computers in the TVA that talks about uh, a kid being kidnapped in Missouri. And then they, they erase Missouri and replace it with Wakanda. And you can see like the timeline branching underneath them on the, underneath it on the monitor. So this, these are the spoilers for Loki. These are the, the multiverse was born. These are those timelines that we're seeing. Um, And it wasn't really that big of a spoiler. It's just like, yeah, this is like, this is how we're exploring the multiverse. This is the, like, that's the reason we're getting into this is because of the multiverse is here. Now Uh, it's going to be madness next year. Um, with Doctor Strange, and then yeah. whatever's going on in the Spider-Man movie, if we ever get that. Um, but yeah, I I'm really enjoying the show. Yeah, I mean, I am too. How do you feel about the animation and the art style behind it? Because I, it's definitely different. I, I don't mind it. My wife hates it. Okay, so I really like it. Um, and I want to know what your wife hates about it. Uh, so she, she would, she wants them to just stick to the CGI model and not put like the polarizing filter on it. So it looks like it's roll, like, like it to make it look 2d. Like she wish it was just 3d and not like the, the flat style that they're going for. Uh, I don't mind it. Because they're going for a comic book feel though. Like, I don't know. Cause it feels like they're going for the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse style, mm-hmm. but it's not as comic booky. If that makes sense. Well, no, I mean Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is brilliant, and I love what it does with that comic book style. <laughs> uh, in chat, somebody said they don't watch. That's why they don't watch trailers because they didn't want any of that spoiled. I mean, yeah, fair. Um, but I, I feel like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is exceptional in how it handles its comic book origins because. It's gorgeous, and they reference comic books in a way that I think I've the comic book art style in a way that I've never seen done before. And I feel like Sony just doesn't have it. Not Sony, but uh, Marvel just doesn't have a minute or have it in them to do that. Like yeah, for each of these episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I enjoy the the animation style. Uh, I'm trying not to watch the stro- trailers for this, but I, it's something that I saw afterwards. 
Um, I think I saw what the next episode is going to be, and it sounds insane. Um, I don't know what I don't know what any episodes are until later, so I'm I, excited. I knew these two because they were the ones that they've heavily marketed. Okay. Um, but beyond that, I don't know what what is coming. Uh, while we're still on the topic of the show, what if? What is the what if episode that you want to see the most? Like, what if you could pick any story to, for them to tell? That's a really great question, and it has to be in the MCU. It has to be in the MCU. I've got mine if you want me to go first. Yeah, yeah you go ahead and do yours, Blake. What if the other half was snapped away instead? <laughs> I love that. So you get Doctor Strange, T'Challa, Peter Parker, Drax, Peter Quill. They all survive, but the original Avengers are gone. What What does that world look like? How is there a way to win in that scenario like what what does the world look like after the post snap with those avengers i really like that i think so i i think for this one i think it would be fun if uh what if uh captain or marvel i'm sorry what if iron man or tony stark didn't survive that cave like what if they tortured him got what they needed out of him and then just done like does the avengers happen does captain you know what i mean is like i know fury's in the background working on some of this but iron man is so crucial to every single step of of the mcu because he was kind of the face of it for a while what happens if you completely remove him from the equation who steps up to fill in that role does it i i think a lot of things still happen but i think a lot of things don't so if tony stark is eliminated in the cave you don't get stark tower in new york city for during the Loki invasion, because Loki's still going to invade, you don't get you don't get Ultron, no, um, and you don't get Civil War, and that's and that's one of the, well, you don't get Civil War, but then like you still get Thanos searching for the the stones too. Mm-hmm. Does that one possibility for humanity surviving go away then? Like Strange's, you know, we have we have one. Like, is that gone? Or does that get replaced by somebody else? Does that turn into Banner doing the snap? Does that turn into Steve Rogers going backwards in time and fixing something while he's an old man during that? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I that that that's a really interesting question. Like, what if? Because I mean, that's the thing is like, it. I, I mean, like if... the idea of looking into what if, and I like the idea of saying, okay, what if the pivotal character wasn't here? There's still events that are going to happen. Yeah. The impetus isn't around. I mean, if Tony Stark's not around, who is Peter Parker's mentor going to be? Like, <laughs> right? Exactly. Who? Like, who is his mentor? Are they, they going to have to like pull an uncle from the comic book or something for him to be a men- <laughs> like look up to? But what if? But what if his? What if his? Uh, his mentor is just Happy. <laughs> what if Happy becomes Iron Man? <gasps> I love it. I really love it. Um, how do you feel about the voice casting of this show? Oh, phenomenal. I mean, because you could tell when they use the, the real voices, and when they aren't, you can tell that they're so close. Like The yeah. Steve Rogers voice was a, a bit off for me. Oh, uh, really? I was surprised that that wasn't Dave Bautista playing Drax in the Star-Lord episode. Me too. Me too. Um, I feel like the show went into production when there was rough waters between Marvel and Dave Bautista because of the whole James oh. Gunn thing. So he, oh, wasn't, he wasn't asked to come in. 
Um, but Josh Brolin as Thanos. Yeah, man. I never thought I'd enjoy Thanos as a character as much as I did in that episode. Because it's great. He's completely different. It's a lot of fun. Um, I don't want to get into too many spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, but you get to see a whole different Thanos. Um, and I, I, I really wish I had gone back and watched it just for this, but I, I ran out of time. Do you know so. what threw me off more than more than different side of Thanos? What's Nebula that? Nebula with hair. Yeah. That, that's not a spoiler. Nebula has hair, and it's weird. I don't know why I, I it, it like always was a little off for me, but it was interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Uh, I'm getting messages about your sound quality. Oh, about mine. Or, y- y- your volume. I, I turned you up a bit. You're good. Oh, I think good, it, I think okay. it's I think it's better now. Um, cool. All right. Anything else about the Marvel What If show that you want to talk about before we move on to our second half of the show, which I'm really excited some, to get into? Yeah, we have some fun stuff. Yeah. All right. Cool. Chad agrees that it's totally weird. Nebula with hair. I agree. Thank yeah. you. And the reason and like they went for like this like 1920s noir blonde wig. Like, yeah. Hey there, cha cha. It's like, is that what Nebula would be if she had a normal upbringing? Would she just I, be like this? Yeah. I I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. Um, it's like she was a dame to kill for. Huh? Yeah. Guys, like, all right. Uh, I, I don't know why. I guess just because I know Karen Gillian as an actress, yeah. I was expecting red hair. I think so, too. I think that might have been me, too. And, it, and she was one of those voices where you could tell she was, like, doing a bit of an OR voice for it. Like, she made her voice huskier for it. Where I'm like... Is that a really good Karen Gillian impression, or is that like her doing a voice? Yeah, and it was her. I, I think the 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 best performance in this, and I think we we need to pay pay our respects to Chadwick Boseman because oh, uh, yeah. this is the last time we're going to get to see him as T'Challa. This is a whole different T'Challa than what we saw in Black Panther. He's having fun. He's a lot lighter. Um. And from what I've read, that was supposed to carry over into Black Panther 2. It was going to be a lighter side of T'Challa, not as stiff and regal, just a little bit, having a little bit more fun. And I really want to see that version of that movie now. And we're never going, we're never going to, sadly. Um, But this is a great send off, I think, to Chadwick's T'Challa. He knocks it out of the park. I mean, his his voice, he's a phenomenal voice actor just in general. I mean, he's a great yeah. actor. He's a phenomenal voice actor. I love him. Uh, and I'm really glad that we got to see him in this um, mm-hmm. after the fact. Um, and I loved there was a memorial at the end, which, mm-hmm. like, I was great. It was perfect. It's yeah. Like, it's, it's, what, it's what you have to do. Right after the Kurt Russell cameo, which kind of caught me off guard. Like, oh, yeah, he was in the credits, wasn't he? Right, I mean, he literally—it was Kirk Russell for like a sentence. Yeah, yeah, they—they they got a lot of people back. They just didn't yeah. get the people back who had the contracts where they make millions upon millions of dollars. Um, there. So, all right. So for the next part of our what if episode, hey Peak. Um, so oh, Peak man, what's up? So we we talked about Marvel's what if, but I I threw an idea out at Devin. And and Ryan, Ryan had one, but he he wasn't able to make it today. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We wanted to take the what if concept and change other movies like outside of the MCU. So I think we each have three. Yep. 
three. We have a, a non-MCU Marvel movie. Or did you pick an MCU movie? I picked a non-MCU Marvel movie. Okay. We picked a DC film. And we picked a non-superhero-related film to change by with just one thing. Yep. Um, so do we want to start with? So we want to keep it in the Marvel family and do our Marvel picks first. Let's yeah. Let's start superheroes. We'll do Marvel, DC, and then we'll kick it out to the the last. Okay. Because the last one is the one I had the most fun with. Okay. I had fun with all of these. I love this. I have a, a whole. I have a whole sheet written for my DC one. The other two, I'm just gonna wing it. So. <laughs> I have I have notes. Okay. I have notes for this. Don't worry. Awesome. All right. So I'll let you kick it off. All right. So mine is non MCU. So what if fan like two thousand five Fantastic Four? Okay. Is where is where I started, and I actually ended up tying it to the MCU. So it was you know how in two thousand five MCU or Fantastic Four, sorry, they fly up into space. There's uh, cosmic, and then they each get personality-based superpowers because I guess that's how superpowers work. Mm -hmm. So they do still fly up into space. They're still observing a weird weather phenomenon, but the weird weather phenomenon that they're observing is not random cosmic clouds. The weird weather uh, that they're observing, or the cosmic phenomenon that they're observing, is weird radiation in the solar system caused by Wanda during WandaVision editing the sky around her to look like a perfect starry night every night. So they end up just at, and so they end up flying out during the day at night, that bubble thing applies to them or like kind of loops them in and they all end up getting the same rough powers as that. Oh, the one lady that's in there. Uh, uh, I can't remember her name. Monica Rambo. Monica Rambo. They all basically get Monica Rambo powers and how that would have affected each and every one of their decisions going forward. Because if we're following 2005 Fantastic Four rules, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, uh, Ben Grimm, and Johnny Storm are the only ones that go up still, but Victor Von Doom doesn't get the powers and is jealous of them. So here's what happens, right? They all go up, they all get the powers, they come down, they go, wow, this is totally weird. Sue Storm and Reed Richards go off to go find Bruce Banner, who knows about being, uh, who knows about being kind of exposed to radiation and how to handle it? They start working on a cure. They then link it back. Hey, this looks like Wanda, who's around for all these conversations. That's right, Victor Von Doom. Victor Von Doom goes to the town, finds Agatha, decides, oh, something's different about her. We're getting the same kind of radiation on her, on completely on his own. Releases Agatha. Agatha then, in thanks, makes him Mephisto. He becomes the next big bad guy <laughs> of all of this. Okay. So it's Dr. Doom, Mephisto kind of mashed together. In the meantime, Ben Grimm, who now has these new powers, feels like he needs to do the right thing and needs to do the, the noble thing. He gets a high-ranking job at S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and gets promoted almost immediately up the ranks right away. And Johnny Storm, who is uh, still uh, Chris Evans in this version of everything... Uh, he decides that he is going to become his own kind of like rock star vigilante. And he ends up being an on the ground superhero like Spider-Man is for the first bit of this. That okay. is, that is my, that's my, uh, fantastic four pitch. Okay. That's a really interesting take on it. Um, yeah, I, I really like, I really got excited about changing the fantastic four. It was hard for me to go. I want the fantastic four, but what if it didn't suck? I mean, those Fantastic Four movies aren't horrible. 
they're of its time I don't remember though. Them, I don't remember them being not horrible. I think they I think they just didn't age well. I think like we now have better like superhero movies around mm-hmm. and I think it just might be that. Yeah. Um all right. So just a mine makes the movies worse. Um <laughs> My my Marvel one does. Yeah. So okay. my Marvel one and the reason you had to pick Fantastic 4 is I took Spider-Man. Yep. Um, so the moment that I changed is at the very end of the first Sam Raimi, Tommy Maguire, Spider-Man, uh, okay. Peter Parker and MJ are at uncle Ben's grave and she professes her love for him. And he says, I can't. And then he walks away after they kiss. And then she, MJ has this moment of realization where she thinks you can tell that she, that kiss reminded her of Spider-Man and <laughs> In that moment, she turns around and says, wait, Peter, are you Spider-Man? And that completely (laughs) changes everything going forward in Spider-Man 2. You don't have Peter Parker longing, like, keeping this secret from MJ. Um, She knows that he's Spider-Man because what's he going to do? Lie about it? Everything makes sense (laughs) at that point. Um, And it's kind of like the the Pete Holmes Batman sketch. Wait, Bruce Wayne? No, like, <laughs> um, so you don't have Peter longing for MJ. Uh, you don't have him keeping the secret from her and missing her show because of that. She's a little bit more understanding. You're still keeping the secret from Harry, which complicates things between all three of them. Like, I don't think Harry is at Peter's birthday party at Aunt May's house. I don't think you have Peter introduced to auto octavius the way he is i think he just kind of writes a paper from the distance uh therefore spider-man's not there when the reactor blows up the first time around and right. more damage is done like i think maybe even harry gets injured in that um because does auto octavius survive i i think auto octavius still survives okay, um, he still becomes he still becomes uh basically yeah the biggest thing that it changes about spider-man 2 is you don't have peter losing his powers because of the mental stress that he's under from keeping the secret from mj like right uh like his secret identity is still a secret to most people but i think that was the one that weighed on him the most um so i don't think he lose. i don't think he gives up being spider-man at all um it it just makes it a lot less interesting for me. Like I, like if MJ had said that and knew that he was Spider-Man, Spider-Man two is nowhere near as good as the film that we got. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I, that's interesting though, especially because then Peter would have to find out about Doc Ock through other means. Like he wouldn't have been essential to his plan and his plot as, as he would have been otherwise. Yeah. And I, I feel like I feel like the stakes are even higher for MJ then because she knows that he's Spider-Man. So I think she, if she hears about something happening that Spider-Man's going to, I feel like she's drawn to that. And I feel like she's in more, more danger than she already was. So that means that she is then there. I'm trying to think of when Spider-Man first shows up to fight. So she's around then when they do that train scene. Where he's fighting Doc Ock on the train. I mean, no, I think Do- I think Harry would still tell Doc Ock how to get to Spider Man, but I think 
Doc Ock might even kill Spider-Man for Harry. But take oh, ta- take MJ. That. He he takes MJ. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe he even kills MJ. Like it, it can get it gets very dark with Harry being so out of loop and completely cut off from his friends. Mm-hmm. So do do you think then like if all of that happens, do you think then that uh Harry Osborne needs to take that same kind of like basically injection that Norman Osborn took in order to like heal from his wounds. Therefore his hobgoblin isn't just James Franco flying around on a glider, but it's actually a mutated form of him. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that this makes it worse, Alan. I'm not, I I mean, Spider-Man two is one of my favorite films of all time. So well, the thing is, you're um, not getting that internal struggle with Spider-Man yeah. about him. You know, that work-life balance, basically that Spider-Man was struggling with. You don't get pizza scene. Do you still get pizza scene? You still get pizza. I mean, I think he still delivers pizza. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so he's still yeah. struggling for a job. Uh, in the chat, would have been better than the Amazing Spider-Man too. Fair. Uh, I that, had that is... I had a troll edit to this uh, to to Spider-Man. Basically. Okay. It was gonna be uh, Amazing Spider, the just the first Spider-Man movie. But what if Uncle Ben actually talks the the guy down and do, the guy doesn't shoot Uncle Ben? And then it was gonna be that. Peter Parker never learns with great power comes great responsibility. And he just morphs into Andrew Garfield. And then the amazing Spider-Man happens. <laughs> That's it. That was my, you know, my troll edit. I just read a comic call. They're, they're doing a series called heroes reborn where in the Marvel world, the Avengers never happen. So that changes like a lot of things. The Avengers never happen, but the Squadron Supreme reigns. So it's kind of like Marvel's version of the boys are around. Oh, that's cool. Um, there's there's a comic called Peter Parker, the Amazing Shutterbug. Uh, yeah. It's written by Mark Bernardin, who hosts uh, Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's what if Peter Parker didn't get his powers? And I'll have to let you read it next time you're in town because I was amazed by it. It's pretty much like what if Uncle Ben survived? Like... <laughs> It's it's oh, really interesting because cool, he never gets his powers. Uncle Ben right. doesn't die in in a mugging. Um, and that's all I'll say about it. But I highly recommend yeah. it if you can get your hands on it. And it sounds interesting, but it also sounds it sounds like it has potential to be interesting or just the potential to be like, this is boring. OK, sure. We're yeah. watching a New Yorker work for a magazine or a yeah. newspaper. Yeah, it. It, it, he still works for the Daily Bugle. Like he becomes like a drone photographer. Yeah. And he ha- like they're his shutterbugs. So that's fun. Oh, I like that. Um. All right. So uh, let's move on to our DC picks. Do you want to go first, or okay. you want me to? So you're the one that wrote. You wrote a lot out for your DC one, right? Yes. Okay. Then let me do mine first because mine is not that long. Okay. What movie did you pick for yours? I picked The Dark Knight. Good, because I didn't. Okay. Okay. I picked mine is the end of a movie that then changes the sequel a bit like yours. Mine is Batman versus Superman. Okay. And mine, mine is what if uh, protect Martha didn't actually stop Batman from killing Superman. Ooh. So at that moment, Batman's like holding it. Here's Superman go protect Martha. And he goes freaking aliens just using mind control. He knows that's my mom's name. Screw this guy and kills him. Right. Superman dies. Right then and there, at the hands of Bruce Wayne. Okay. He doesn't sacrifice himself to kill. Who's the bad guy? Doomsday. He doesn't sacrifice himself to kill Doomsday. Instead, that honor goes to Wonder Woman. She sacrifices herself to kill Doomsday. 
So you have Wonder Woman and Superman dead at the end of Batman versus Superman. You have Lois Lane, who doesn't get saved when she's in trouble. She dies in that too. Lois Lane's dead, Wonder Woman's dead, Superman's dead. Going into the Snyderverse version of, and this is very specific for me, going to Snyderverse version of Justice League Dawn of Justice. So if that happens, right, the way that this, that the next basically plot of everything plays out is that he understands that, or Bruce Wayne basically understands that he still needs to get a team together. He still thinks he can. He doesn't have Wonder Woman to recruit Cyclops. Cyclops does not join the team. He manages to get the Flash with cyborg. his but I'm rich line. What's up? You said Cy- Cyclops is cyborg. Cyborg. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He doesn't get cyborg because Wonder Woman's not around to recruit him. And we'll say that his efforts failed. He manages to get Aquaman. He managed to get the Flash with his I'm rich line. That's the team, right? At some point, they understand how strong Steppenwolf slash whoever the other person is. They understand how much or how like big that is. And they realize they do need to get Superman back. They have basically enough of the team to get Superman back using the same way. So they resurrect Superman, but there's nobody there to calm him down. Wonder Woman isn't there to restrain him like she was. Lois Lane isn't there to calm him down. And Superman is still like on bloodlust kind of mode like he was. Batman decides that the only way to calm him down since he was the one that killed Superman is that he needs to sacrifice himself. So, And he was ready to in the Snyderverse anyway. Batman sacrifices himself to Superman in the hopes that, hey, this is going to calm him down. He needs, you know, the world needs him more than they need me. So Batman dies because Superman kills him. Uh, And Batman basically lets him in like an Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of moment. Um, That doesn't stop Superman from going crazy because only Lois could have calmed him down. So you get the start of Injustice right then and there. So Injustice basically starts right in the middle of Snyder's Superman. He teams up with Steppenwolf to take over the planet. They then take over the planet. The mother boxes come together. And the rest of the movie and the rest of the subsequent Snyderverse is Aquaman, The Flash, and then now Cyborg because he now has a reason to become involved, led by Martian Manhunter doing a boots-on-the-ground, just survival-resistance story in order to overtake the planet from Steppenwolf. That's, that's my pitch. Okay. How do, does Shazam play into this eventually or not? I don't know if Shaz- Shaz- Shazam has to play into this eventually because Shazam is in the same universe. They just haven't acknowledged him yet. I'm assuming that they're going to, no, they're not, they're not going to tie him in anymore. Uh, they might, they might, who knows? Who knows? I mean, if they, if they do, I think that would be fun if Shazam could be in there because you do kind of need that character. Jared Leto's Joker died in between one of those lines too, by the way. Uh, he's okay. not on a bridge in the end of the world like he was uh, in well, the end of the Snyderverse. If Superman dies, does the Suicide Squad ever happen? Does Suicide Squad ever happen? Not not the sequel, but the first one. Because the whole That's thing with question. that, the whole thing of that was, what if Superman decided to turn on the city? But Superman's dead, so you don't have to worry about that. I think they do because I think Doomsday does whatever kind of damage he would have to do before Wonder Woman would sacrifice herself. I don't think that that fight ends up being a one to one. I okay. think that it ends up being Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder Woman sacrificing herself after Doomsday's destroyed half of, of was it Metropolis they were in? Metropolis? Yeah. Or Gotham. Yeah. It was somewhere in between. One, one of the two. But 
before they destroy New York slash New Jersey. Uh, and they end up destroying New York slash New Jersey. And then okay. at that point, Suicide Squad happens as a reaction to that. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my pitch. All right. I like it. Um, yeah. That's very dark. Oh, don't worry. The last <laughs> one gets way dark. I'm, I just realized how dark mine got. I'm oh, my, my, my last one's the darkest. So <gasps> Good. My last one's the um, darkest, too. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to hear yours. Okay, so for The Dark Knight, I don't change the ending of the film. I change something about halfway through. Okay. And what what I change, what the big change here is either the the Joker does it intentionally or his people mess up. And when he tells Bat, after the, everything up until the interrogation scene in The Dark Knight is the same. Got it, okay. When he tells tells Batman that she's at this address and he's at this address, Mm -hmm. when Batman goes... He gets to Rachel. She oh, survives. Man. Harvey Dent is the one who dies. Which messes up the Joker's final plan completely. So, um, Joker still escapes custody, but with Dent dead, he is unable to corrupt him into ki- into killing the cops responsible for Rachel's kidnapping. The Joker still threatens to blow up a hospital. But doesn't com- wait until it's evacuated completely. Once the police arrive and have one bus loaded, he blows it up. Oh, wow. So he kidnaps that one bus of people. Yeah. Um, during all this, Al- Rachel is with Bruce and Alfred back at the penthouse. Um, or Bruce is out saving Reese because of the whole the, the, the whole I know who Batman thing is and the bounty oh, on yeah. his head. Rachel and Alfred are watching everything go down on TV and Alfred says to Rachel, uh, um, Rachel's to Alfred and says, he's a madman. He needs to be stopped. Alfred turns to her and says, Master Wayne and Gordon are doing everything in their power to stop him. <laughs> and Rachel says, if Bruce hadn't started his crusade to begin with, Gotham wouldn't, wouldn't be where it is now. Without the Batman, the Joker wouldn't exist. Alfred tries to calm her down and leaves to fetch her some tea as she watches the hospital, hospital rubble burn and looks down at Harvey's coin who she that she still has in her pocket and says you either die a hero or and then when Alfred returns with the key with the T she's gone. Oh. Um, the Joker has his hostages at the unfinished building at the end. He still does everything with the fairies. Um yeah. at this point Gordon's not distracted by trying to find where Harvey is. He knows Harvey's not in the in the bus. Right. Um He's not guilted by he's not guilt driven by what happened to Harvey to begin with. Um, so he so when Batman shows up and says, this is where the Joker is. I give me five minutes. Gordon's like, OK, like he doesn't like send the SWAT team in to fight Batman. So Batman doesn't right. have, the, Batman doesn't have that resistance. Batman uh-huh. does his stealth thing, goes into the building and realizes that the hostages are the are the, the thugs and the thugs are the hostages. And he tells Gordon like they're switched. Go, go for the, go for the, the rescue, the hostages. They're the ones with the guns. Um, <laughs> so he makes his way up to the Joker and they have their, their ultimate fight. Um, yeah, they fight. Joker says, you know, I really thought you'd get debt. He had his whole thing worked out. It, nothing happened. Oh yeah. But the hero always has to save the girl. Batman punches Joker and he laughs and gets the upper hand, knocking Batman down. 
which made me wonder, why her? Then I did a little research, and I put it together. Even though she loved another man, you still couldn't, you still had to save her, didn't you, Bruce? So like he figures it out. He figures he out, Br- it out. He figures out Bruce Wayne and Rachel had this connection going back to their childhood. Um, yeah. That catches Batman off guard. He goes berserk on the Joker, um, and like tosses him across the room. The Joker's laying there laughing, um, like injured, like holding his gut, and then he stands up, uh, taunting Batman, and then you hear a gunshot. The Joker lifts his hand from his stomach and is covered in blood. He falls to his knees as Rachel steps out of the shadows holding a pistol. Um, She pleads with Batman. This is the only way, Bruce. He'll never stop. How many have to die? This isn't you, Rachel. Harvey wouldn't. Harvey's dead because because you escalated the game in Gotham. She looks down at the Joker and then takes out the coin. Harvey Harvey would leave it up to chance. Heads, the clown dies. Tails... We put him deep. We put him deep inside Arkham and lose the key. Joker says, "I like those odds." The coin, however, has not been scarred, so both sides are heads. Like, oh, so she know she knows she's gonna kill the Joker. Yeah. Uh, she tosses the coin, catches it, and immediately shoots the Joker and drops the gun. Uh, I had to do what you couldn't, Bruce. I was going to marry Harvey. I loved him. I'm sorry, Bruce. I know I said that one day we'd. Be together when Gotham didn't need the Dark Knight, but I don't think there's a day a day will come where you no longer need to be the Batman. Gordon walks in, and then like she stops calling him Bruce, um, and like Gordon sees what's going on in front of him, and he goes he goes over to Batman and helps him up because he's still like disoriented. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Rachel goes over to the Joker's body, mm-hmm. and um. Like turns him over, mm-hmm. but he's not quite dead yet, and he stabs her. Oh, and shit. Batman and Gordon are are unable to do anything to save her. So the Joker and Rachel die. Oh man! So this completely changes everything for the Dark Knight Rises. Really, though, um, Batman is no longer injured at the end. He no longer has to take the rap for Harvey Dent because Harvey Dent died a noble death. Kind of. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll spin it, it that way. And Rachel turning on the Joker doesn't really affect things as much as Harvey's death with him going evil. Um, Bruce knows where Rachel stood with their relationship at this point. So he's not going to be sad in his mansion for eight years. Um, <laughs> he's not injured. So he's still he still he stays Batman for the next eight years. Yeah. Bane and the League of Shadows still come in and try to take over Gotham the way they do in The Dark Knight Rises. Um, I think Batman, I think Bruce Wayne is a little bit more aware of the situation. So when Miranda yeah. Tate comes into the picture, he kind of figures out that she's not who she says she, she is sure. and figures out that she's involved with the League of Shadows and is the daughter of Ra's al Ghul. Uh, I didn't really work out the details too much, but I think there's a mo- like there's a fight between Batman and Bane where Bane reveals his plan and like at one point, like Batman gets the upper hand and he just says, you're going to have to imagine the fire. Like, like they just, he switches the line. Um, I think it makes the, I think it makes the dark Knight rises a lot more interesting. 
It makes yeah. more sense why you don't. It, it explains why you don't have the Joker in it. Um, and I, I, I think it, I think that's how it would play out. Like Batman would probably recruit Robin out of the orphanage, and oh, not yeah. not later on when he's a cop. Um, so that that's my take on the Dark Knight. If if Harvey had died instead of Rachel, I really like that. Now, does the fact that you know Rachel is like you know you this happened because you keep upping the game in Gotham, does that affect how uh, Bruce Wayne deals with criminals going going forward too? Because you know he sees this was you know this could be my fault. I love the idea of questioning his morality as Batman. And I love the idea of it coming from someone that he trusts so much. Does he take any of that and internalize it? I think he tries to, but with the game escalating as much as it does, he right. he has up. he just has to keep up with it. Yeah. Like he, it, it already started, so he just has to stay with it. That's really good. I really like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. It makes a better point for like the next one. Yeah. All right. So, what is your non-superhero movie? What if? So my non-superhero movie, what if, is Star Wars. Okay. Uh, and this is the one I wrote the most on. Okay. So my non-superhero movie for Star Wars is uh, Star Wars A New Hope. And the what if moment is, what if whenever uh, Luke gets attacked by the, the Tusken Raiders, Obi-Wan isn't there to scare them away. He slept in. He just wasn't walking that part of the desert at that time. It was a coincidence. The coincidence didn't happen. That's my what if moment. So here's how I picture it playing out. Obi-Wan doesn't appear and Luke gets attacked. Uh, the droids get taken by the sand people. The droids weren't there necessarily to attack Luke at all. They attacked him because they wanted the droids. As we know from the Mandalorian, the uh, sand people are literally just wanting to trade something. They're just very reasonable and they see two very valuable droids that they know they can sell back to the Jawas. They sell the droids back to the Jawas and just leave Luke there. He is knocked out. It doesn't matter at all. Um, the Jawas end up getting attacked by the Stormtroopers' continual search for the droids, and the droids do end up getting taken. In Mos Eisley, Obi-Wan is there just buying wares, doing whatever Obi-Wan does in Mos Eisley, and he ends up finding those droids as they're being loaded into a cruiser. He steals them back, he hears the Leia message, but he's too late. At this point, it's been weeks. So Leia has been in prison and has been interrogated and has been tortured for literal weeks at this point. So Luke gets left behind and is recovering from wounds still. He's, you know, he's, he's injured. Obi-Wan doesn't take him with him. Leia, in the meantime, if we flash forward to or flash over to the Death Star, she's being continually tortured by Vader. At some point, uh, not only do they blow up Yavin, but they end up blowing up Naboo too because they're just testing out the Death Star even more, and they know that, oh, this might be where, where she's from. During the torture, Leia gets this moment where she realizes, holy cow, I'm Force-sensitive, or touches something that is the Force. Vader feels that she's Force-sensitive and gets to her first, interrogates her for a while, and then goes, you know what? All of this can stop if you just join me. Leia, in her very frazzled state, goes, you know what? I will. So she is now Darth Vader's secret apprentice from the Emperor. Emperor doesn't know. Emperor is somewhere else. But on the Death Star, you have her training as Vader's apprentice. In the meantime, Han Solo doesn't get the uh, job to fly Obi-Wan, but he still has his debt to the huts. So he has to take any old job to get there. So he ends up taking just a random cargo job and just starts to, to smuggle something from Mos Eisley. 
So while flashback to the Death Star, uh, Leia and Vader are training, and she's growing more and more force sensitive. She feels her tie with Luke. She turns to Vader and goes, there is somebody else that's force sensitive. I'm afraid this person's going to turn into a Jedi. We need to do something about this. They take the Death Star and they point it at Tatooine and they start making it for Tatooine. Uh, in the meanwhile, uh, Han Solo is on his little smuggling mission. He realize, or he ends up getting caught smuggling something just during an Imperial checkpoint. The Imperials grab him, Chewie escapes with the Falcon, and they take Han and they put him uh, to the nearest em uh, Empire Station, which happens to be the incoming Death Star. So Han is now on the Death Star waiting for them. Uh, Luke is recovering just a little bit. Like, he's a little bit better than he was before. Uh, so above Tatooine, the Death Star moves into position while Han's taken aboard for smuggling. Obi-Wan ended up tracking down Leia specifically through this series of everything to the Death Star. So now Obi-Wan ends up going back to the Death Star and sneaks on board. Luke feels something. He can tell something's going on now that he's had enough time and enough bed rest. So he ends up heading into Mos Eisley. The Hut, Jabba the Hut, realizes that he hasn't gotten his payment yet and knows that Han has been smuggled. He wants Han because of his smuggling skills and specifically he wants him for the Falcon. So he hires a bounty hunter to go get Han Solo back. That bounty hunter that he hires, Boba Fett. So Boba Fett is on the hunt. Uh, Leia and Vader blow up Tatooine, hoping that it destroyed Luke. Just before they end up blowing a Tatooine, you find out that Boba Fett caught a ship, the nearest ship to go up to the Death Star with the Empire. You know who else made it on there? Luke, who was figuring out that something was going wrong. So now Luke and Boba Fett are on their way to the Death Star. Um, they uh, are, they're both there together. Can I interject with a question? Yes. At this point, is Obi-Wan still alive? Obi-Wan is still alive. He's alive for all of this. He is currently sneaking aboard the Death Star. So okay. you have Luke and Boba Fett on their way to the Death Star. They fly off and watch Tatooine get blown up completely. The Huts are dead, but they now know, hey, Boba Fett knows, hey, this Han Solo guy is pretty valuable. I still need to get him. So now you have Luke, Obi-Wan, Leia Han, and Boba Fett all on the Death Star. Uh, Vader and Leia think that, oh, hey, we just eliminated the Jedi threat. Uh, Vader goes, I think you're now ready. I have a master. We need to go kill him. So they then turn the Death Star around and start heading towards Palpatine. Meanwhile, Fett and Luke get on the ship and they uh, they end up breaking out Han. Uh, Obi-Wan runs into them while they're in there. He's sneaking around and they end up getting a signal out to Chewie and says, hey, Chewie, you need to get here with the Falcon. Chewie comes back with the Falcon. They get on and as the Falcon's taking off uh, with everybody on board, like all the heroes, Vader and Leia stop the ship from taking off and Obi-Wan jumps out and Luke jump out and they start fighting each other. So Obi-Wan and Vader are facing off and Luke and Leia face off. Obi-Wan and Vader face off. Obi-Wan doesn't have the same drive to just commit suicide in order to motivate Luke like he did before. Obi-Wan is barely like aware of who Luke is. He senses that there's this connection. He thinks it might be, but they're on, you might be the, the person that he's looking after, but there's so much going on. He doesn't have time to be like, oh, 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 you're Anakin's kid. He's just like, okay, fine. I don't have to sacrifice myself for this. I know that one's a bit of a stretch. But I, I was going to say, one. like, episode three, like, his whole point is he's staying on the desert planet to watch, to watch the kid. Luke. So pretty well, much I, your, I, your, your thing is, like, so your what if is, what if Obi-Wan had, had dementia? 
Like <laughs> either like what if he has dementia or what if by the time he gets to to Luke on the Death Star, he's like, I don't have time to talk to this kid about this now. We'll talk to him later. Yeah. And it could be something like that. Okay. So he, he doesn't have the same motivation to sacrifice himself because he needs to be talking to Luke later. He and Vader end up killing each other. Right. So he kills Vader. Uh, I have them. I have him doing a, a force jump over top of Vader in an exact opposite of the "I have the high ground" moment because that part he did have dementia about. But he, they end up killing each other. The lightsaber that Ben Kenobi was holding rolls itself over to Luke. Luke picks up the lightsaber when fighting Leia, but he's untrained. He's just holding this thing. He doesn't really know how it works. So Leia ends up stabbing the Ray him. method. Yeah, the Ray method. But it doesn't work out like it does in in that movie. Leia ends up stabbing him directly in the gut. Luke and Leia share this moment where they both understand that they're both Force-sensitive, and that causes Leia to go into a bit of a panic. As Luke's dying, he pushes the button to call Han and Chewie back. Han and Chewie come back and see Leia there standing over uh, Luke's dead body. Leia has a bit of a crisis of faith. She goes, oh, I think there must be some other side to this. Hops on the ship. Han and Chewie didn't see any of that battle happening. She hops on the ship with Han and Chewie and says, just drive. They, say, they end up driving off into the distance. The episode ends, or the movie ends, with them flying off into the distance and you hear Palpatine laughing because it was part of his plan all along. And that is how I would do A New Hope. <laughs> Dang it. Okay. That, that's, that's different. All it's right. different. It's a rewrite of the whole movie. Now for something completely different. Yes. Um, so at the end of Free Willy... Uh, <laughs> Um, so at the end of Free Willy, they free the whale. Uh, the kid is mostly responsible for it. He's the one who begs Randolph and the trainer and then his, like, foster parents to help. Yeah. They stole a whale. Right. There's gotta be legal repercussions here. (laughs) All of, so at the end of Free Willy, after the whale, what you don't see is all of the adults get arrested and convicted of their crime. <laughs> did I re- <laughs> did I rewatch Free Willy in prep? I introduced my niece to Free Willy and she absolutely loved it. So yes, I, I have rewatched oh, Free Willy. So Free Willy 2 is all of the adults are in jail. Um, so you get Michael Madsen pretty much being Michael Madsen now. Um Jesse like is back on the streets looking for his mother, but like has like an obsession for whales. Like it, like his life, like everything that happens in that movie betters his life up until that point. Yeah. Like if he stayed with his, like if his foster parents didn't go to jail, he'd be fine. But every mentor that he gets in that, that helps turn his life around is now yeah. in jail. So he has no one. He okay. is back on the street. He goes with his friend who is like convincing him to come to LA with him. Um, he's just, he lives on the street the rest of his life. Um, and never sees Willie again. Wow. It, it got dark. It got really dark. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> he, he probably like is living under a bridge in LA somewhere. Um, yeah. It, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good story because the kid's homeless at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Right? Like he's going down a dark path and the whale saves him. But without the adult mentorship that he has, like he just gets put back in the system and runs again. So where I was really hoping for this one was they freed Willie. They mm-hmm. all get convicted of their crimes in our jail. Free Willie too. Is that Willie has to free them. 
You know, I didn't think about that. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I mean, I like your story. It, I like how dark it, it is. It, and it's the talking Willie from the animated series. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, no, I like that too. Like, it's just like a an Ocean's Eleven, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I hate all right. love it. All right, we're at the end of our time. Uh, I want to thank Josh and everyone at Victims and Villains for having us again. This is always a great time. Uh, if, you, if you're if you watching us on the Victims channel, please do us a favor and head over to our Twitch channel where you have to watch this pod. We are live every Tuesday with our show. We'll be watching Speed, which Devin has never seen this week. Uh, Devin also does a lot of gaming stuff on our stream. He's currently... Trying to do a speed run of Portal under 30 minutes? 30 minutes, yep. What happens if you get that on your first try? I don't know. I guess I'll just perfect it and try to get it under, like, 20 or something. Okay. So, yeah, you can head over to our channel and follow us there. Uh, I'm going to comment in the chat so you can see us. Uh, Anything else you want to add, Devin, before we wrap this up? No, I want to thank everybody who saw my stream this morning. You guys were awesome. Uh, and I want to thank Victims and Villains for allowing us to do this again. This is really yeah. great, and I really love the cause. Yeah, uh, check out check out uh, victimsandvillains.net for all the great mental re- resources they have over there. Um, until next time for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. And I'm Devin. And stay tuned for the girl- ghouls next door talking about Freaky. Ooh. We'll see you next time. <laughs>